0: Good afternoon, thank you as always for tuning in to another podcast, an installment featuring yours truly, I am KG, joined by my colleagues in the media world, Fiffle Wildcat and Doc Kenyatta Cavill. This is another KG Fiffle Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you all doing?
1: No, it's been a good day, it's been a good day. It was okay this weekend. We got some surprises now from the... the uh Couple of FBS schools, they weren't prepared for yesterday.
0: Oh yes, we're gonna talk about that, especially one that just warms my heart as a Cougar alum, with all my Longhorn friends out there. You know, I got something for you later on in this podcast. to keep listening to you, to to the podcast. Wow, you are the college sports reporter. But hold up, sir. Our colleague was quiet. I didn't hear his voice chime
1: in when we said, good, eat, good afternoon, good afternoon, how you doing? <laughs> that's I'm because doing, <laughs> that's he, that's he, he's busy checking out some things. Something is transpiring on, on the net, as they say. Doc, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I was letting y'all get in there. It was a pretty interesting weekend uh, on all fronts this past Saturday.
0: Wildcat, you were the college sports reporter. Do your thing,
1: sir. Well, I only got uh, – we're we going to do it go with football because that's, that's that's where we at this weekend because now everybody's – college sports is getting into it. And we'll filter in the Olympic sports, or uh, non-revenue sports as we go along. But right now, starting out on lo- local scene, on the two schools played yesterday, uh, this past weekend, uh, pr- Texas State beat a Texas- uh, Prairie View 23, and U of H was saved by an interception and a win over Temple 22-13, the, o- the initial inaugural game of the ACK. For 2013. That's right, Wildcat. But a win
0: is a win, regardless of how ugly it was. My Cougars, my Cougars are one and oh The first win in the history of the American Athletic Conference. You can't take that away from the Cougars. They're one and O, sitting atop the conference in first place until Louisville starts playing conference games and wrecking shop. But the Cougars are in first place right now. Told me September eighth to
1: be watched now.
0: Whatever. SMU struggled, almost lost to Montana State last night. Had to get a last second touchdown to At beat least them. Was paying attention. But. Uh, which would have been another embarrassing loss for the Act. I'm, I'm like you now. So until basketball season starts, <laughs> That's they're, right. they're not the Americans. They're the AAC.
1: And You know, Their football uh,
0: programs are playing I, like that.
1: I, I hate <laughs> to be cutting you off and all, but I mentioned that at a couple of, th- two schools that were playing volleyball this, this weekend, and they referenced <laughs> that I was correct in this because football for this conference looks horrible right now. I mean, everybody's waiting on Louisville truly to get going, get conference play, but they all agree that when basketball season comes around, it's going to be some smacking down being done.
0: Oh, indeed. Cause it's, it's this year is definitely a basketball conference for the AC. But, uh, yes, Houston and Temple played in the only conference game so far in the, the AAC. And the Cougars are 1-0 despite making seven trips into the red zone and only finally come away with a touchdown. They finally clinched the ball game after selling for five field goals and failing to score on four tries within the five yard line and, and turned the ball over on possessions, which was just
3: yeah.
0: horrible. Um, it shows, in my opinion, a, a lack of a fullback. Kenneth Farrell got hurt early in the, in the first half, hurt his, uh, right foot after he dove, tried to leap from the five yard line into the end zone. Dove got smacked and helicoptered. And then when, when he got smacked, landed out of bounds and had his foot rolled up on. So he was out for the rest of the game. So that took away a key cog in the offense. And then the Cougars lack of, t- lack of a tight end rears up. Personally, I thought for a long time that a tight end is a quarterback's best friend, especially down there in, in the red zone in tight situation. so You can play fake and throw it to him; he would be wide open nearly almost all the time in different formations. But the offense was was garbage, despite the fact freshman John O'Corn played the second the second through fourth quarters after David Pollan struggled in the first quarter, throwing only completing only six of seventeen passes. I think Donald Corn is the future. You hinted it in a previous podcast that you figured, uh, I think it's by the third game. Right. That Corn would be starting. He, so. He'll start. The I spot. Think right on, right on target. The third game will be ag- against Rice because the Cougars are off on this, this weekend. So. Right. Their next game will be September 21st in Reliant versus the Rice Styles in the Battle of the, of the Bayou mm-hmm. Bucket. <clears throat> and, and I do believe <laughs> Donald Corn will be the, uh, starter in that game.
1: And we, we, in conversation now this weekend, uh, there was some things were mentioned, and now, after yesterday's, whatever the game, or whatever that was yesterday that U of H got into, uh, with Temple, that game now is starting to, you know, it's, it was kind of settled, but now it's starting to loom large on where these two teams will be going, and be headed after that game, uh, after the 21st. Hopefully, they'll be headed in the same situ-, uh, the same direction, going toward a, a, uh, bowl situation, uh, conference championship, uh, division. Type situation to play for a conference championship hopefully these two teams now that they're in separate conferences um uh, will represent this area well because I'm gonna tell you um it's not looking well for your race right now because you get one week even though southern you put up a lot of points you put up a lot of offense two weeks in you still had to sell in on your on your starting quarterback and you don't have packages for the red zone. And that, I think, well, we can all agree that's a coaching problem. That's not a player's problem. When you don't have packages for the red zone, that's a coaching problem.
0: Which leads into, you know, I do not have a lot of confidence in Coach Levine, uh, running the offense, especially, you know, his forte was special team. So they struggled. They, they did it. They put up, I think, 500 plus yards in the game, but once they got inside the 20 and inside the 10, uh, the shorter field, they struggled to punch it in. They finally scored on a, on a rushing touchdown to, uh, put the game away. But they struggled, I mean, and they got little push from the offensive line when they got stopped on, on, turn, uh, had to turn the ball over down on downs at the one yard line. They couldn't, they couldn't punch it in there. So they have work to do. They have this, this off week coming up. And then they got to prepare for Rice. And Rice is better than people think. And it's funny, um the played the Aggies in opening week. I think scored 31 points against the Aggies.
1: Put up 500 yards. <clears throat> 500 yards to 500, a 500
0: national, yards. national uh, reporter, I think his name is Dennis Dodd, somebody for CBS Sports, was talking about Pittsburgh and the beatdown that Florida State put on Pittsburgh Monday, I think Jameson uh Jamison Winston, I think it was his last name, Florida State quarterback, freshman quarterback. He said that uh just in passing, Rice is better than Pittsburgh you know, it doesn't pass because, you know, national landscape of things, the right size of more respect Pittsburgh. So that's where things are. But let's just run down these, these horrible results in, from the act. <clears throat> As you said, the Cougars beat Temple 22-13 in the one conference game. Louisville won 44-7 over Eastern Kentucky. Rutgers beat Norfolk State 38 nothing. Duke. Is uh, this right, Wildcats? <laughs> <Duke was laughs> we, we all we
3: all we all looking at it
0: now. <laughs> we all looking at it. We all Duke looking at Memphis, it. Beat Memphis. Excuse me, twenty fourteen. SMU came from
1: behind and beat Montana State 31-30 And coach coach Dune Jones was not a happy camper when that game was over. The look on his face told everything. He walked off with a scowl. And folks talk about Spurrier being hard on quarterbacks. Coach Dune Jones is hard on quarterbacks. He set a lot of guys down. He's basically, he's benched him and said, look, this is what needs to be done. If you want to learn this offense, learn the offense. You are not in a position to be improvised. What's called on the sideline, run it. What
3: happened
0: to the doctors? They played Montana State. It was a road game, you know, when it was a home game. They struggled at home with Montana State, 31-30. Home
1: opener. It that
0: like Michigan <clears throat>
1: State?
0: Michigan State. Montana State, Doc? Montana State. Michigan State beat USF. USF is off their own 2 Don't start. 21-6. <laughs> and then Cincinnati lost their starting quarterback to injury. That's a bad loss to Illinois. Illinois is, I think, improving, but still. Cincinnati was kind of known to be the second-best team in the act behind Louisville, and they got rocked 45-17. So overall, football is not a doesn't look very promising. Uh, for the, the act this year.
1: Conference USA doesn't look that much better. Let me, let me give you a couple of these rundowns. As I mentioned earlier, waiting for a Florida A&M, I'm sorry, not Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic to come in and play Rice here late in the, in the, uh, season. Uh, they lost to East Carolina 31-13. UCF uh, beat Florida International 31-38-0. Oklahoma State number 13 in the country. Beat Texas San Antonio 58 to 35. Middle Tennessee lost to North Carolina 40 to 20. Southern Miss lost to, to Nebraska, number 22 ranked in the country 56-13. South Alabama beat Tulane 41-39. Garner Webb, I don't know what conference they are in. They're playing football. Uh, I know they are decent basketball program but they <laughs> lost to her. I was, oh, Yeah, I'm, I'm in there one of that kind of moves and all the day, Doc. Marshall beat them 55 to nothing. You know, they they look to be, they might be worse off than HBU, and I know they got a decent program uh, on, the, on the men. Uh, matter of fact, they played uh, Wayland Baptist this past, uh, this past weekend. Uh, don't know what, I'll have to search further and all to, to get a result, but I'm going to find it. Um, North Texas lost to Miami, uh, Ohio University, I'm sorry. Not Miami, Ohio, Ohio University, twenty-seven, twenty-one, And several other fouls with La Tech, 27 over Lamar. LSU, fifty, number nine in the country, 56-17 over UAB. New Mexico beat Texas El Paso, forty-two, thirty-five, 35 And Tulsa re- uh, rebounds this past weekend. And beat Colorado State thirty to twenty seven, and that's for Conference USA. Doc Gug, uh,
0: give us your your knowledge about the Prairie View loss to Texas State. Any insights you want to share?
2: Yeah, defensively, it's really uh, interesting to see what Prairie View is doing. They only allowed um, Texas State to put up twenty eight points, and as you acknowledge, <coughs> in terms of that FBS FCS matchup. Many people thought Texas State was going to put up much more points, and they actually were going with less than two minutes in the game to try to put another touchdown. They continued to throw the ball, rush the ball. Uh, Prairie View kept pushing them, turned the ball over, said so they settled for a field goal that they missed, and so they end up held holding them to twenty-eight-three. Uh, Offensively, that uh, offense that puts up big points in the swag doesn't do too well outside of the conference. People are able to defend it well in terms of short passes and and those things. So it'll be interesting to see uh, can they do better as they face uh, Stephen F. Austin later in the year in terms of that. But uh, all in all, it looks like they were pretty solid in terms of what they're doing, particularly when you look at some of the other swag scores. That's kind of what I was digging into because I was getting a little nervous when I was looking at some of the facts and the numbers. I can see over the first two weeks, the only non confident win by the SWAC is All Corn State over Edward Waters' uh, NAIA
1: program. Outside of that, the <laughs> SWAC, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> you know, you know, I hate to be laughing now, but... Exactly. I hate to be laughing, but, but truly, you know, uh, since... This playoff situation is, is about to get started. There are a lot of teams that, teams, uh, that the lower schools are going to be playing for the wrong reason. And it's going to be interesting how that those type of games start preparing for conference play. Because I think we've got one more free season before the playoffs start. No,
3: playoffs start. Well, well, well next then, season.
1: folks. It's really- you, you, they, it's about to get real crazy. People gonna be looking at Oh, we winning. We winning. No. <laughs> you playing against teams and all that are very subpar.
2: Well, Swag may need to just settle for that because they had two tough losses this weekend. With Alabama A and M, which is a top ten team, they lose to a division two program. Tuskegee at home twenty three to seven. Now giving that Tuskegee I have them number one in the mid the program, they're really solid and I think they're gonna do some damage in the division two playoff. Um, outside of that, you also had Mississippi Valley State that we saw a lot for Pam last weekend. They had a home game and lost to Delta State 24-14. So it's tough right now in terms of, uh, uh, the swag that Southern that many thought they were going to make a run for the Western Division. They got blasted by FCS Northwestern State out of the Southland Conference 55-14. Roundland State stepped up to play, uh, uh, Sunbelt, Louisiana Monroe program and lost 48 to 10. We talked about the Prairie View game with Texas State. That was a 28-3, uh, game there. So, it, it it's, it's terrible. Uh, McNeese State, we knew that that was going to be a tough matchup. They beat South Florida. Well, they end up coming back at home and beating Arkansas Palmler, who's last year's champion, returning 19 players. They got dropped 58 to 14. Uh, give you a little more about that Prairie View game. The Dwayne Cooper for Prairie View had, did have eight receptions for 70 feet, 74 yards. So he had a big time game in terms of what he delivered. Uh, but outside of that, uh, it is, uh, anemic. They only put up 227 total yards. That's a 182. Uh, passing could only do 45. Obviously some of that's from the sacks you take away from that. Um, Lovelock went 16 to 27, 109 yards, and Smiley came in and went 10 for 15 for 73 yards. So again, the defense stood up in terms of bending, not breaking, because they did allow Texas State to put up a total of 408 yards, but they didn't allow them to put much points on the board in terms of what they were able to do. That's 166 passing and 242 rushing. Um, but I think they're going to be very tough in a swack. And that brings us to a matchup that comes up this week that's going to be interesting because Prairie View travels to Southern. I just told you what Northwestern did to Southern. We already know what Southern did the first weekend as they came down to Houston and found out what it meant to play under the Friday night lights in the state of Texas. And for teams not ready for that, it's not always a good thing. And Cougars made sure they knew that. So those are some interesting. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> are you happy, man? Y'all 2-0. 15th. <laughs> Fifteen No, I think he said it right. Thank goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to give you a total of the uh, FCS, as we continue to account on that, there were basically four more wins this weekend uh, with Maine over Massachusetts, Chattanooga over transitioning FBS program, Georgia State, as well as Nichols over Western Michigan in a narrow margin there, got out of there. You just talked about how Montana State had a heartbreaking loss as they allowed SMU to score a touchdown to get out of there, out of the ACK, since that's what, that's uh, right right, that's what we're yeah, the uh uh-huh. right now. So that brings the total FCS uh with 11 big-time wins over the FBS program. So that's 11-55 and 55, to give you a total perspective of what that means. Uh, but uh, the SWAC is struggling. Got to give some kudos for the MEAC, particularly North Carolina A&T. They had a huge win over the transitioning program of App- Appalachian State. They hit the road. And they beat them. Twenty-four, uh, twenty-one basically was the score of that game, uh, and had them hold up on that. So that's some of the big pictures that are going on. So I'm looking for A&T to do big team, big things, and that the score was as I said, twenty-four to twenty-one. Give you a quick rundown, top ten, just how everybody played out. Number ten, Alabama AM Bulldogs, one and one. They stay in the pole, even though they had that horrible loss to to Tuskegee Golden Tigers, division two out of the SIAC, twenty three to seven. Interesting. They play at on the road at South Carolina State Bulldogs who's the top ten program. Number nine, you have Alabama State Hornets. They are in 0-2. They lost to the Jackson State Tigers 30 to 20. And they're at Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions, which is another big squack matchup this weekend. And number eight, you have Howard Bison one and one. They jump into the poll this weekend. They defeated Morehouse Maroon Tigers, Division Two program the SIAC. That's a top ten HBCU uh program there. They beat them 27-16. That was in the National Nations Classic, and then versus Old Dominion Monarchs, who's a transition program going to Conference USA. At number seven, Prairie View and the Panthers one and one. They lost the Texas State Bobcats twenty-eight to three. Again, big time road game, divisional game at Southern Jaguars. If Prairie View can find a way to pull this off, they're looking really sweet because they'll be two and zero in conference play. But even bigger than that, they'll be two and zero in the Western Division of the conference, and they wait all the way into the last game of the season to play the Arkansas Pine Bluff, which most people would think that's the team that they have to really fight for. Which brings you to number six, South Carolina State Bulldogs. They are zero two, but their two losses, one is at home to Division Two program, the top twenty-five program in Coastal Carolina, and then they went into face Clemson Tigers, and we all know what they're doing right now at the FBS level, fifty-two to thirteen. And they're versus Alabama A and M, so that's the battle of the Bulldog dog fight going on there. And I know how some people are sensitive about the dog fight, but I'm saying that's the aerial <laughs> show, dog fight we're talking about here. At number five, Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions on too. They lost the McNeese Cowboys fifty eight to fourteen. Um they can't wait to get into quick action as they face off of Alabama State Hornets, which is a crucial matchup to see if Arkansas Pine Bluff can get it rolling in and we just told you that Alabama State Lost to Jackson State uh at home, so Alabama State would be threatened to go 0 and 2 in conference play if they can't get a win here. And obviously, Arkansas Pine wants to start it off right in the SWAC play. Top four is Jackson State Tigers, 1 and 1. They came off a great win as they defeat uh Alabama State Hornets 30 to 23. They're versus Tennessee State for that big Southern Heritage Classic up there. Big time rivals between two programs. And Tennessee State is number three. So you're talking about a three, four matchup there with Tennessee State winning the championship last year, HBCU, that is. They defeated Florida A&M 27 to 7. That was a road victory in Tallahassee. And that's the family rally to beat up on the valley. There versus Jackson State, as we said. And number two, North Carolina A&T Aggies, one and o. First game, they come out blazing, going down the Appalachian State Mountaineers transition program, beating them 24 to 21. They held on for that. They were beating them up pretty badly early. And then the Appalachian State made a run for it but couldn't get it done. This week they host Elon Phoenix, so they have another chance to make a statement in front of a non-conference game. And number one, yeah, have Bethune Cookman the Wildcat. Wouldn't many people think they would have a problem with Virginia Union Panthers, who were a top ten program coming into the season. They beat them up like you're supposed to uh, against a division two program. beat them 60-67. Now they hit the road at Florida International Golden Panthers. So it should be interesting to see how they do against that Conference conference USA folk, Florida International, uh, as they try to make a difference between Conference USA and the act as we continue to call it until we get some more wins. And that's what's going on there. And now we can go back into some of these top polls as you talk about the program. That,
0: Which, yes, well, thank they you, sir. Up this by, and, and by the way, let everybody know, remind folks who you are, how they can get in touch with you. Sure.
2: I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor over there at Texas Southern University, teaching sports management. Uh, my part-time, uh, gig, if you would call it, is the report on HBCU programs in terms of, as I do research, but also do a poll that gives you a top 10 program. It's the only poll out there that actually separates, uh, HBCUs in an FCS program, major division poll, and a mid-major program, which are NAIA programs in NCA Division II. Been doing it for over 10 plus years, so if you want to get any information on HBCU programs, particularly from this local, you can reach me. Follow me on Facebook, like me on Twitter, now I'm on Instagram, that's Dr. Kenyatta Kavil, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, also on some local radio shows around here, so, uh, check it out, week, 1230, Rap Group Sports Rap, I'm on there to give you some information on there as well.
0: Hey Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? Who are you again? You can
1: find me at Blogger, a-k-a-s-v-d-c-s-r, Um YouTube, and this week coming up, I will have my Instagram account up and running. Good, uh, good, good. And it'll be interesting how that trans. I'm starting. I'm, I'm figuring my way around it. Bear with me. It's electronic social media stuff. It's somewhat new to me, but Instagram. Once I get for what I've been told and people that's helping me uh, with that, that is the way to go. Especially with the photos and all, game photos and all of that. 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 What you do, it'll be good for you, definitely. Yeah. So, that's that, that, I am the water Wildcat. That's where you can find me at. Who are you, uh, person in the middle?
0: And I am KG, owner and co-founder of the Houston Roundball Review. The website is com. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R-Review My Instagram account is Houston Roundball Review. I'm on Facebook. I got a Houston Roundball Review Facebook fan page. I got, uh, men and women's hoops blogs that you can check out. Uh, just go to the website. It's HoustonRoundballReview.com. Blogs are out there as well. Check everything out. But we're not quite in basketball season yet despite the fact that schedules are coming out and the Wildcat and I are prepping for attending media days in more than one city. Check that out. Look for that. Of course. Uh But I want to talk about something that warmed my heart watching this team <laughs> get the behind's kick last night. Oh, that I was Run maybe. over.
1: So, so you going to just get your football in get it right now? Then? I
0: sure am. I'm looking at it right now. with a lovely headline they to uh, cap off their behind chicken that they received last night because it applies because the team they lost to, the BYU Cougars, they played my school here in town October 19th. So I'll we'll have to all make it all tie-in as you do on the podcast. Those mighty, 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 long time ago, mighty, 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 Texas Longhorns got rocked and rolled 40 to 21. See, the score is not really an indicator of the, I want to say the A word, but I'll just stick with butt. The butt kicking they received by the BYU Cougars in Provo, Utah, as they gave up an astounding, astonishing, amazing school record, 550-yard rushing by the BYU Cougars as quarterback Taysom Hill ran up, around, over, through, passed by any
2: description that you can. You
0: it warmed my describe. heart and think that the Longhorns actually had a lead in the sec- in the second quarter of the ball game before yeah. Taysom Hill ran a touchdown and the wheels fell off. Longhorns couldn't tackle. They did make a at halftime. Manny Diaz, defensive coordinator. He should be fired tomorrow on Monday. If, you know, I don't know. Why. I don't
1: think that'll happen. He, he that's when what he got the job that's last year. after not what Mac does. That's not what they defense do at UT. We you know what the coaches. And school. that's
0: and that's fine. Right. That's Problem fine. Be one Man and could be no, no. That's fine. You, you can I your say in just a second because you're much more tie, closer tied to the Longhorns uh, after the department than I am. But um, <laughs> Man <laughs> Diaz struggled last year. Longhorns wanted him fired after last season. poor performance by the defense. He's still here. They got a rock like, and roll. Uh he's first on the list. Top of the list is the Lost Dodge A D, AD, who folks want fired. Then Mac Rose. Mac Susan, another person I want gone, but Mac Brown, head coach of the Longhorns, who uh You uh, I'm, I'm on a to roll. The list. Uh,
2: yeah, oh yeah.
0: Yeah, it is it That's that is a that is wish list, yes it is. But uh Mac Brown, I think he's overstated Is welcome, probably about by about five years, according to according to some of my Longhorn friends. They want Mac Brown gone. Um Mac says that he's not going anywhere. I believe someone on Twitter said uh, Mac Brown has said he won't stay there until 2020. As a Cougar, stay Mac. Stay there. By that time, you would have torn down everything you built up at at, at the Longhorns empire that once was. That mighty time with Vince Young, led the national championship. Ever since then, the program's gone down pretty much stair-stepped since then. Let's see. Jameson Winston, who's from Alabama, star quarterback, for Florida State, freshman. After the game or before the game, he said, he told reporters that he wanted to go to Texas. Definitely.
1: He wanted to go to
0: Texas. His dad said he had his high school coach call the Longhorns coaching staff four or five times. Didn't get a, get. did not get one phone call back. Nuh-uh. That's one quarterback who said Longhorns didn't call back. where where, Two, where RG3 said he wanted to go to Longhorns. Didn't go. Three. Johnny Manziel said he wanted to go to Longhorns. There you go. And did not, Longworth said, no, you want the defense. That's three. And see, that's two Heisman winners. Jamison Winston may be in line for a Heisman before he leaves college. <laughs> so that'll be three Heisman quarterback Heisman Trophy winners. Mac Brown and his illustrious staff and their infinite ignorance, oops, I mean, infinite wisdom, said, thank you, but no thank you. We're going to stick with David Ash and that crew and, and Case McCoy to run our program and lead us to misery rather than victory. Well done.
1: Wildcat, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I had to, I'm going to have to give you a little credit you 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 really tired all that, well done. that. That was well done. You, you on a roll with that. I'm going to turn you loose on the, on, on the U of A situation here pretty soon. Uh, but, <laughs> but getting back to UT, conversations came up a lot. I mean, it was once, when college football gets going like it did this past weekend and the pros and all get going, it's like, when you sit down at the sports bar that, whether you are just eating or just hanging out, Folks got something to say about, about football. But the UT situation after yesterday, last night, while I was sitting, or while I was watching, uh, LSU and Rice, uh, women's volleyball, in the process, it, it was only three of us there, but we were all online watching that game and people was just like throwing up their hands and all in the stands. Now, <laughs> I'm telling you, you are not the only one that's happy about what's going on at UT and people Keep mentioning that situation about the quarterback, folks. If you don't solve that problem, that's like like an approach. If you don't solve that problem early on, you are doomed. Well, for for the not uh, for this is a long a, a long, long time. But
2: this is one thing I said. think that you got
1: to get in there.
2: I think that there's actually more problems. Oh than yeah, the quarterback play, the
1: but, quarterback
2: but, play. Let me finish. The quarterback play with Vincent Young actually saved him. As well as um,
1: Colt McCoy,
2: Colt McCoy actually hit a lot of things because they True. were able to live right. and win. But I'm saying what you're seeing on the defensive side is a bigger problem to me than what you really have at the quarterback position. And I've, now, what's embarrassing is what you're talking about in terms of the fact that you had some quarterbacks that could at least uh gave you time time to and gave you the ability to kind of hide these other things. Now you can't hide from them at all because it looks bad. And I'll tell you where Texas is really having a major problem. When you start seeing the
3: casual fans
2: watch the game and start making statements Comment. like, this is embarrassing. This is, I mean, these are not long-form mm-hmm. fans. Right. These are just people in the Texas residential area that somewhat follow football and understand, you know, the expectations and what they've seen in their past. When they start making statements such as, what, what's going on? This, this is embarrassing. Yeah. What hap- what is happening here? People gonna stop. That's a major indictment of what's going on over there in the 40 acres. And then you start pushing the other envelope. Uh, let Texas A&M find a way to get it done next weekend against Alabama. Uh, even with all that madness it takes. For the second place, year in a row. For the second year in a row. I mean, it's already enough that they did it last year, so even what? if they fought it this year, if it's a close game, they still have an edge. Right. But look what they're doing in recruiting. You see other programs making moves, TCU, Baylor is very solid as they continue right. to tread where they are in that position. Right. Um, that's not a good thing when you are the landmark empire right. in terms of your brands internationally. And, right. and you can only stay at the top and financially what you're doing for so long before these tough losses right. catch up with you at the end of the day and we see what it's doing in terms of recruiting and not getting done and and the problem that you're starting to see is just the evaluation of that yeah. staff. Right. It's not where it needs to be to put that program in terms of what they have because it's not an issue of money.
1: Oh no. The U T has never been an issue of money. Uh, we all know that uh, they are one of the uh, land grant schools that are, that are provided by the uh, oil and gas uh, reserves that i found here in the state. But what I think has happened with their defense is when the fallout from Mustap leaving. The recruit, the recruitment, the evaluation of, go back to what you mentioned, evaluation of players and having a say-so at the table and putting his word and his bond on the line as far as bringing a player in and not letting a player leave and go somewhere else. You know, it's one thing to lose a player to Oklahoma. When you start losing them to, as they say, second-tier well, teams. In
2: my opinion, the three players that you talked about, it wasn't that they lost no. them. They made a decision. a decision. One of them was about a position, analyze them in terms of the wrong position. Right. The other one was also in terms of different positions. And then one is you literally did not pick up a phone. You listen to a friend that said that you did not have a chance to get this guy. This man is trying to call you, and you don't even take the time to pick up a phone and say, "Do you want to be a lawnmower?
1: I agree. I agree. But where the problem was, two weeks in a row has been on that defense, and I think as now,
2: well, when you he (laughs) just said they said a record, no question. They say that's so I can't even keep up with the, the records they had fallen last year on the defensive right. side. This is just, as I said, there's no other way to describe this. This is embarrassing. Even I'm if just, you don't like the longhorn, while well, you may enjoy it, but you would have to admit, even like, this is embarrassing. This is a program in terms of the state of Texas that is supposed to be on the national I landscape. I so you'll laugh know. if you did more than normal, but you sit down and if you, you know, just as a a person that analyzes it as a media person, you'd be like, this doesn't make sense.
1: I agree. Everything you said that you and KD have mentioned so far about the Longhorns is corrective, but until the top has been cut off. Well, I understand
2: what you're saying on that side. But the thing
1: I add is that those that are
2: in power, there's one thing that they say, and this is where sometimes finances may get in the way of making good moves, and I'm saying as a sports business professor that looks at this long term, this can change the effect of what you're doing now. The reason that they won't make a change is simple. They say there's a lot of people in control that give the lot, you know, give million dollar type donation. The average fan has been frustrated with Mac Brown before he even found a way to win the first championship, which most people say was gifted to him because he got fortunate with Vincent Young because he was about to hold him back and then he just showed off like nobody else before. So that people don't even acknowledge in terms of that being Mac Brown to give him credit for getting it done. Right. But that was more on the back and the feet and the arms, literally, convincing young and the defensive standing up and making a big-time play. But what I'm saying is is the finances are so rich. Many people remember when Makovich was there and where they were on the national right. landscape and right. they're saying, right. Mac Brown has us as the number one revenue-producing athletic program in the country. And they're not too quick to make a change because they say that means something. And all I'm saying is, is that is part and part in terms of what you're able to do on the field. So you need to understand why you have become the na- nation's number one revenue producing athletic program. And this is before the SEC has made this new ESPN deal, which is going to push those top five programs even higher than they are currently in the landscape. So big picture, I have major concerns of what's going on in terms of just
1: as a business uh, out. And, 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 and I got one thing to say now, I'm going to turn over to you, KG. That ties in my next one. That Longhorn Network, in the short term, it may have sounded good, but here, what, three years in? Mm-hmm. It is looking like a piece of Wall, uh, not just a wall that, a brick wall is has gone up, but a piece of flypaper on the wall, because it's not standing up to no test whatsoever. They are still, not, they're not being able to, uh, their loyal fans are not being able to, still not being able to see the, those, those games and all on a regular I basis. You, I think you have to be careful with that. I think there's
2: some concern with that, but it just got picked up by Houston by the other Market, uh, uh, media out program, and people are saying the same thing with the Big Ten in terms of that network. And but, one of the, let me finish. I'm talking about just dollars now. Okay. I'm talking about All dollars, right. and dollars transition to what you can make the decision when you have to buy Mac Brown out. You can do it without question, but in terms of dollars, what that program is producing, it took it took the Big Ten almost six or seven years to get that network off the ground. And when they did it, they became a major Player in determining these new contracts that you see out there. Remember, each team in the Big Ten were getting $22 million. That was higher than the SEC that were winning, what, six, seven at the time. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. seven consecutive championships. Mm-hmm. But who, and Big Ten wasn't winning the championships, but who had the largest revenue pot? Big Ten. Mm, right. At the time, okay. the SEC only had 17. The, re- the reason why Texas is the number one revenue producing is that longhorn Revenue, thank you. The Time Warner Cable is the one that just came out. So they looking for Comcast, but slowly but surely, they're getting in those networks. Trust me, in terms of the big picture, that network is brilliant in terms of the business model that you want to do. Now, whether you have folks that are making the right decisions in terms of what it means to win is a different question. But I think it's without questioning that Longhorn Network is a huge Deal in terms of
1: what you see in the landscape. Will they have enough content to sustain? No, they're not. Matter. Well, plenty
0: of content. <clears throat> the problem with the Longhorns is they're doing less with more. Their evaluation and football That's is it. garbage. Thank you. Their evaluation on basketball, men's and women's, is garbage.
3: Yeah.
0: Baseball's gone down the toilet. Yeah. They have so much money, so many facilities, and they are doing A horrible job evaluating talent, evaluating coaches who they hire. The results, the amount of money they're spending being a leading revenue producer in college, athletics. And the results on the field, on the court, whatever. It's like an inverse. As a Cougar alum, I laugh, I enjoy the hell out of it. But as a representative citizen of Texas on National Landscape, Mm -hmm. we look like a laughingstock. We see how the brand of the Texas Athletics getting their behinds kicked up and down the field in basketball. Rick has got to be on on his last legs up there. He's losing the players left and right. Their basketball team this year will probably be lucky to win 15 games. That's how bad they're going to be this year, if that.
1: See, that's the other thing that I got a problem with. Two weeks before, I agree. Within a week before Big 12 media day, Longhorns were down to two quarterbacks. Actually down to one. Ash was a was by a century, the quarterback going into the season. Did not know and still to this day don't know who the 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 uh uh backup quarterback and not really not concerned about it.
3: Cole. But uh, Case Cole.
1: McCoy. Case McCoy. But at the end of the day, Ash as as he goes, so will uh, so was, uh, so was the Longhorns. But well, that's and, not good. And and we all basically made a, a Unanimous, unanimous decision that that left UT not in a position to even get to vie for a bowl game this year. They are that far away. Oh, well, once, okay, once again.
0: Uh, David Ash is not a great quarterback, but they still put up 400 plus yards on a good BYU defense last night. That's true. But <clears throat> who who did I say they let go? rg three, Johnny Manziel and not Jameson Winston. One of those three, you put in place of David Ash.
2: You're in good shape.
0: You're in much better shape than you are.
2: No problem.
0: Their evaluation is just backwards.
2: Yeah.
0: They're so arrogant
2: that they don't. Yeah, you right.
0: That they do yeah. not. They refuse to change and make corrections. They continue evaluating the same you, things over and over again, getting you, the same results.
2: You well, gotta remember, this is the program that if you don't if you're not on their radar early and they ask you to sign early and they'll pull a scholarship if you continue to look at your other options. So they do that, which is kind of backwards to a lot of people's thinking.
1: Stockpilers.
2: Well it's not even stockpiling because they just pull it. They ask you to sign at the beginning of the year. They don't want you to make your trips to other places.
1: Correct.
0: They say we're Texas, you either make a commitment to us or we're we going elsewhere. That's what they it, say. That's
2: exactly what they say, which is which is the anti people, even Alabama. And LSU, with all the pride that they have, they don't do anything like that. So that tells you something right there that at one time that worked. The other thing that Chris talked about was an excellent point. One of their principles is that they were going to spend the most
3: dollars per player on scholarship. And
2: what they do. So that lets you know that they're spending the money. And that's not the problem. It's the evaluation and the arrogance they have in terms of
1: how they get it done, and the numbers speak for themselves now does Applewhite have a real word at the table when it comes down to making choices on quarterback because apparently he doesn't right now
0: it doesn't look like it
1: <clears throat> you know he's getting no he's he's getting no rule by his choices as far as or what he sees out there as far as talent that because what he because put I out there that
2: he somebody
1: he hadn't said it. It hadn't come directly out of his mouth, but I know for a fact he has—he's one of the talent evaluators for quarterbacks for that system. But he also goes out, and he looks and watches, he brings back information, and when it comes down to sit, as, as you all have mentioned, who, who do we choose? He's getting no rule. Now I don't know who's doing the ruling other than Mac Brown, but he's getting no rule.
0: Well, Major White does not like coach defense. He doesn't tackle. He doesn't blow the assignments like they did last night. Well, he
1: don't get his that, guys faked out of the jock That and defensive done. guy <laughs> at is, at is, is, is gone. Is hey, is away man, now. Wolf. That the, the defensive person that was in charge, he's left and gone and took a head coaching job because Mac didn't want to give up rank.
0: He must have left.
1: He was tied away. You know, it's when it went, uh, it went, went and, oh, we, and another thing but now,
2: let's not, let's not act like, Muscham, the well, hold on, oh. you brought up Muscham. Okay, he's having some of his own problems over there in Florida. Putting now, the staff now, together, so
1: and not, he, he may not, he may not be a person that's capable of putting the staff together, and, and, crap, and, and trust me, you know, we're, 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 we're looking at situations oh. now, and some of these guys are not ready to, are not capable of putting up a staff, but in the process, even if he was still there. Would he be the person, not in waiting, but would he be the person that the new money, not the old Longhorn money, would he be the person? The new that
2: money ain't, ain't about the old
1: money now. Don't get it twisted. No, 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 I, I, trust me, I know who is in charge now. But okay. new money is starting to push at both schools, at A and M and at UT, because it's, it's, you mentioned earlier. Only, they, only reason I'm saying that is because the, uh, lawsuits are getting filed because of. People get oh, moving yeah, around in seats and all oh, you know there, but, yeah. but 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 it, 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 it all as, as far as the, and they the programs at those two schools you know it's all relevant because it's all about like as we say every week it's all about money it, whether old or new it's still all about money, and at some point new money has to have a foot at a, a seat at the table to make decisions, whether in the short term or the long term a change some of uh, uh, that's what, moving some things along because they kept Darrell around until that day. Wow. Well, and, and, and I think Mac Brown would, would move into, would be the best person to move into that slot. Am I wrong? Well,
2: uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I think anybody can take the reins. it uh, with all that money and do a but, decent job if they understand how to evaluate. It. That's but, really what we're talking about is evaluation of coaching, evaluation of talent, uh, and how you spend your money, which is a true direction of a CEO. That's some of your major the problems. There was questions that people talked about that they were going to go get, uh, the coach at Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban. Nick Saban. And there was some questions that people that didn't like Saban. Saban and, you know, you gotta remember Texas wants to win, supposedly in a certain way. Right. Funny to me, because we all know what that means. We all
1: know what, what that means, we're about, just not going to discuss it right now.
2: Well, you talk about Nick Saban. Well, I'm talking about they want people, Nick Saban, when you talk about Alabama, and I lived in Alabama for a while. Okay. Those fans and media people can't stand Nick Saban that much. Because Nick Saban.
3: He's in charge.
2: He, he doesn't play in terms of telling a uh, media person or even some of the people on the staff around that how he feels. But they are one of those people. They also have an opposite. They don't care as long as they're winning. We'll deal with this issue. Texas is a little different. Texas wants to win.
1: And they, they want you to win with the be my buddy. Yeah, they
2: want a coach that can take hands and laugh with them and stuff like that, which is a little different age. And that's why a lot of people didn't really push the issue with Saban coming over with because they didn't think it was a real fit. And that's what I'm trying to bring you back with Muschamp. Muschamp obviously is a great coordinator, but we started to see, And let's not get it twisted. Florida has a great deal of riches, too. And he's struggling over there. And he doesn't have to want for anything in Florida. One of the reasons we went, because he knew that was a great program. Lord that won a couple of championships. Now, I think an interesting move that you talk about, one that'd be interesting to see if times have really changed, you go get somebody with like, uh, Strong. Over there, in Louisville. Yeah. Is he <laughs> ready to make that type of move? We really want to start talking about some interesting hires, particularly seeing he can when, put a staff together. A&M did down Oh, well,
0: see, there we go. That's, what, that's <laughs> where we go. See, I already said this too. Longhorn.
1: Those two guys put a staff together.
0: Longhorn alums. I said, if you want to win nationally, get some respect, you hire care with someone, Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: And then we'll see
2: yeah.
0: who's running things up there on the 40 acres. Yeah. Strong. I put another one
2: after you can go get, what's the guy over there at the, uh, Stanford? He's the academic guy.
0: Yes. Yeah. Go yeah. So yeah, we'll see and how bad they want to win. Well. They're making money over there, but the results on the field, are not matching the money they're putting I into the program. So if they want to win, or just they continue making money? We'll see how they how that goes. But as we wind down the podcast, let's talk up in on a happy note. We got a, a note, happy note on a note. <laughs> oh, here yeah, we got happy note <laughs> on a, a note. note that brings tears to my eyes. Talking about finally. it on finally and at last and etc. The the basketball Hall of Fame is having their induction ceremony today as we speak. of uh, one of the enshrinees is near and dear to all of our hearts, especially to Wildcat, I know, and myself as well. Guy V. Lewis is finally and rightfully at last being put into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame along with and congratulate the others as well. Gary Payton, Rick Pitino, Jerry Tarkanian, a friend of mine, Don Staley, Bernard King, North Carolina uh, head coach, women's head coach, Sylvia Hatchell, ABA legend, Roger Brown, pioneer, Dr. E.B. Henderson, Oscar, Oscar Schmidt from Brazil, Richie, Richard Guerin, and Russ Granick, who was part help, he re, he's reason, reason he's in the Hall of Fame is because of his help with the dream team promotion, all that kind of stuff. Other than that, Russ Granick is a Davis Stern friend and buddy, but that's another issue. <clears throat> That's telling like it is. That's,
1: that's the truth. Oh, I, I will. I'll you ask you like I, I'll ask the, this question. It was uh, a statement. I don't know where it came from. Oscar himself or somebody that was at the uh, Hall of Fame was at the interview situation yesterday. If Oscar would have been allowed to play in the league, where would he have rated at his position?
0: He'd been. A, he'd been. A, I'll give you a comparison. He was Kiki Vandeweghe with a better outside shot. I mean, he could score a lot of points. Defense was not his friend. He wouldn't care about defense, whatever. I'll, my defense, I'll score my opponent. I'll drop 40 on you. I'll give 39. I'll score 40 and keep on going. That's how you play ball. That's, he will light you up. You can come on down and score on him too, but whatever, you know. As,
2: as he a, the guy got his in the NBA. As, no doubt about it. As a historian, uh, I'm really excited about Guy Lewis in terms of what he did transitioning. Uh, the basketball in terms of what we see here,
1: especially uh, here locally,
2: particularly locally, but just really natural. and that's why I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he changed, particularly in the South. Let's be frank with it: mm-hmm. what we see on a basketball team uh, in terms of African American being African American. I have no problem of putting this out there, and uh, I I really like what he was able to do in terms of giving individuals opportunities. And and playing a style of basketball, at the time, a lot of people didn't appreciate it. And So those are two reasons why I think that he's getting in so late because a lot of those that were seeing basketball in terms of what they see in their image um, didn't like that. And the other one I have to give a special shout out to uh, is Dr. E.B. Henderson. As a professor in terms of sport and starting out, as I started doing my research and finding out that he's actually named the godfather of black basketball, godfather of African-American basketball. I've done some papers on him in terms of how he transitioned. And as we tied it back into the HBCU, the history that I found out is when you look at the black five, which is the terminology used for basketball tennis uh, that african American played at the time, he had a Huge hand in development of that. And he was out of the Washington DC area where he developed at that. And he had a Howard program that he started in terms of HBCU basketball out of the CIAA. People didn't realize at that time it ended up becoming the first HBCU conference developed in 1912. Just previous to that, he had the YMCA, 12th Street, where they were called in the Black Five he developed that and all the individuals at that time that played on the team were either students or graduate students at Howard University and they won a Black Five National Championship and then soon after they had won one of the first CIAA championships and now you see what you have today with the great basketball uh, out of the HBCUs and now across the nation so a lot of people need to have homage and really know the history behind Dr. E. B. Henderson, particularly those that love the game to the today and where it kinda of came from into a history moment. So that's kind of the segment of history I like to share on both of those guys. While the other guys are deserving, um, for the most part in my opinion, those two guys really stand out to me in terms of what they did for the history of the game, particularly for African American people. Well said. And, and you ever join um
1: the reason we have TV uh, uh, involved in NC2A is because of, everybody knows that game. Game um, of the century. Mm-hmm. It uh, transcended from just being uh, a bunch of folks showing up in a, in a stadium or in an arena and watching two teams play to these mega stadiums, uh, football sized arenas, as we call them, because that's what they are now. And Final Four is, is at that point. Billions of dollars are being involved, but it all started from an idea by the man that's, that, uh, is revered here in this, this local town, even though it's nationally, but he's one of us. Um, he, he's a, uh, as, 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 folks say around here, Gavi, even though he's from, from, not from this, uh, from Houston area, he's one of us. And his idea put the ec 2 a and college basketball on another level um, we are all to be thankful for, especially when it concerns watching the Final Four and the the, the way the back is uh, uh, all put together because as we all know it was just at that point it was just a bunch, you know some independents and college chem- champions that were going to the tournament and playing at that point. Games Final Fours were also held on campus um, and anybody could get a ticket. Uh tickets were from am uh, not mistaken, even for a final four from what I was told, uh five and ten and fifteen dollars at the at the most, that was a lot. Now you can barely spend twenty dollars for a conference championship game. You know, that's it, and we're talking about in in just in the swag. Right. You know, it's, it's, so uh coach Guy V, we're all glad that it's it's finally happening and I'm gonna be I'm gonna just say this straight up. I thought it's as a, a A black president sitting in the White House. I never thought this would happen during my lifetime or even Coach uh, Guy Vee's lifetime because of what has transpired, you know, and we're not going to get all into it to to what has happened, but we we know it's it's out there. We're just glad this day has happened. And the fact that he was able to make the trip and see it for himself, I can imagine Mm -hmm. the look on his former player's face. To see that happen and to, to just watch, you know, in person that him receiving his, his awards and on why he's still here. I'm done.
0: <laughs> Thank, I'm you, done Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm done. As a Houston Cougar alum, as someone who cried in April of 1983 when, uh, that shot went in against NC State that dark, dark day and I dropped down to my knees and, and cried like a baby to April of this year when we got word, because I am a member of the Guy V. Lewis basketball award committee, which we started to uh, recognize the top boys high school player in Houston, the great Houston area, uh last year. But one of the reasons we, we started that was not only to recognize uh high school talent, but also to give Coach Lewis uh, another way to get his name out there nationally, locally and state and nationally. To keep his name out there. So we got the word that he was finally going to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. I was at work. I'm not going to, I'm not ashamed to say it. I cried again at work at my computer. I cried and I got the word there. I put it on Facebook. Coach Lewis means a lot to me. I talked to him a couple of times, uh, a few years ago. Walkhead knows about conversations that he and I have had about Eddie Owens and Rob Williams, two high school legends. And I took the time to talk to Coach Lewis about who he thought was the better of the two. And, you know. I'm not going to say it. Spending, spending, spending time with Ralph Cooper, <laughs> I told Coach Lewis what Ralph said. And I asked Coach what he said. And he said Eddie Owens. So that was enough for me right there. So that's the fact that Coach Lewis took time to talk to me about something like that meant a lot to me. Right. So I'm very happy that he's in the hall. Kudos to everyone who's been inducted. And there's a lot of uh Cougars there at the ceremony. I'm very proud of that. I want to wrap it up here. Thank you very much. This has been a wide-ranging podcast as well how we do it here. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can find us all on the internet. Go to my website. Dr. Caville's website is Top Ten Wildcat and the blog. Uh, I'm on HoustonRombarG.com. Wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.